ಜಂತ आजी मुक्तकुलाशामुभक्तिश्रियंपुरताबसुंदी सदा हृदय खंदरे स्फुरचिनंदना ಜಾನುಲಂಬಿತೋಕಾವತಿಕೃಷ್ಣಾಯಕೌರಾಂಗಸುಹೃದಾಯಕ್ತಿಪ್ರದನಾಯಕದಾಧರ ನಮಸ್ತೆ ಹೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಕರುಣಾ ಸಿಂಧೋ ದೀನವಂಧೋ ಜಗತ್ತೆ ಗೋಪೇಶ ಗೋಪೀಕಂತರಾಧಕಂತಮಸ್ತೆ ರಾಧೆ ಬೃಂದವನಾಚೇಕೃತವಾಹಿನಿ ಕೃಪಯಾಶ್ಯಾಪಾಯ ಶ್ರೀಪ್ತಾಷ್ಟಾಕಮಾಂದ ಶ್ರೀ ಶ್ರೀ ರಾಘವಿಂದಜೀ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಸಚ್ಚಿನಂದನ್ ಗೌರಹರಿ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಶ್ರೀಹರಿನಾಮ ಸಂಕೀರ್ತನ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಗೌರ್ಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಗೋಟ್ನಾಮ ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ಸ್ ಸೋ ಮಚ್ ಫಾರ್ ವೆಲ್ಕಮ್ ಮೀ ಇನ್ವೈಟ್ ಮೀ ಟುಡೇ ಗೇಂಗ್ the feet of shri radha gobind ji mahaprabhu shrinadai maharaj all the vaishnavas assembled thank you tamal prabhu for the generous introduction <laughs> hopefully to be able to honor those words in one way or another so <clears throat> as he mentioned as you may know uh, a few days ago i've started a, a tour that will last for a few months uh, have started here in Alacha and in that context I'm extending some thoughts on a book recently published called Radical Personalism which basically for me is another way of speaking about Gaudiya Vaishnavism since we are personalists and not only personalists but radically personalists. So radical means to the very root. We worship the supreme personality of Godhead not only godhead but not only the personality of godhead but the supreme personality of god the supreme personality of krishna as i like to refer to shriman mahaprabhu when krishna wishes to explore the depths of his own heart the depths of radha's heart he manifests such an angor hari so ours is an ultra personalized tradition so in that sense i i felt inspired to refer to gaudiya vaishnavism as radical personalism and of course as members of that tradition we are expected to represent it in in that same way we are expected to be radically personal radical means something to the very root to its very core 
And, and today in that connection, I want to share a few words uh, that come in, in, in chapter 10 of my book, where I'm talking about non-dual thinking and how in order to be personalist, we need to have a non-dual foundation and the, and the, and the role and the complementarity between non-duality and personality. The two of them are necessary in the equation, so to say. <clears throat> On one side of the equation, we have personalism. On another side of the equation, you might have heard about impersonalism. Sometimes impersonalism is called radical non-dualism, which ultimately portrays there's only Brahman, nothing else. Radical non-dualism. And we have radical personalism. But our radical personalism is also non-dual in its own way. But it's not radical non-dualism. It's not impersonalism. Sorry to torture you with so many different words. Do you follow my point? <laughs> so, so our tradition is called Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Gaudiya Vedanta. We have our own approach to Vedanta. Impersonalism is Advaita Vedanta. Ours is Gaudiya, Gaudiya Vedanta. And Gaudiya Vedanta is non-dual also. Our tradition is non-dual, but in its own way. If we lose sight of the non-duality of Gaudiya Sampradaya, there may be a problem, as we will try to describe today. So, of course, most of us sometimes may be accustomed to thinking of non-dualism or non-duality just in relation to impersonalism. So non-duality is mayabad. But it's important to be reminded that Gaudiya Vaishnavism is also a non-dual tradition. So just to, be, to go to a very immediate reference in that connection, we can go to basically one of the most important verses of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which, on which, on top of which Srila Jiva Goswami unfolds his whole Sandarvas, basically. Vedanta tattvavidas tattvam jnanamadvayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavanati Shabdhyati. So this is a very famous verse of the Bhagavatam, probably in the top five shloka, so to say. Sri Jiva Goswami unfolds his whole presentation of Gaudiya Siddhanta, his Satsandara, on base of this verse, showing us how much is in one single shloka, how much the Bhagavatam has potential to give us. So Basically, this verse is defining reality. The word tattvam in this verse refers to reality. Tattva is a word for reality. As advai gyan. So advai means non-dual. And gyan means consciousness. In this case, gyan can mean also knowledge and other things. But in this particular verse, the Bhagavatam is describing reality is non-dual consciousness, which of course expresses itself in the form of Brahman, Paramatma and Bhagavan. So at the end we have the diversity, <laughs> Rama, Paramatma, Bhagavan, that to begin with is Advaigyan. Reality is non-dual in its foundation. So your ultimate reality, according to this verse, means your ultimate reality is conscious, Gyan, and non-dual, Advai. And interestingly, the word Advai includes Dwai, includes duality. Like implying there is duality, but duality doesn't have a separate existence in it by itself, basically. Self-existent reality is one, not two. And that's why we say non-dual. Sometimes our chairs will say the one without the second. You may have heard that expression sometimes. No? The absolute is one without the second. So it's the one. There's not a second absolute reality. There are not two separate absolute realities. Mm -hmm. Of course, when we say that the absolute reality is, is non-dual, we are not, again, proposing Mayabad, impersonalism, Advaita Vedanta. We are not saying that there's nothing existing individually apart from non-dual reality. Mm -hmm. But basically, the word non-dual in the Bhagavatam, as we find in this particular verse, is, refers to the absolute is, as Sila Siddhar Maharaj will quote Hegel, for himself and by himself. So absolute reality is self-existent, is self-contained, so to say. It is grounded in itself, basically. 
it, it doesn't depend on any other external support. That means reality is non-dual. And also reality non-dual means nothing else can exist independent of that absolute reality. That reality exists independent of everything and nothing exists independent of that absolute reality. And that's why sometimes again we say the one without the second. To Krishna, Bhagavan, is that absolute reality. For us, Gaudiya Vaishnavs, the ultimate. But according to the Bhagavatam, again, reality expresses itself in very degrees of experience, so to say, called Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. But the point is that Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan are not three different entities. Again, reality, you, you, the absolute is non-dual. So that's a, a simple common sense, but it's necessary to re repeat. Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan are not three different people, three isolated realities. It's the same non-dual substance being, being perceived differently according to how we approach that non-dual absolute. That's what Jiva Goswami makes, the point he makes in the, in the Bhagavad Sandarbha. Mm -hmm. Basically says absolute reality is one, but it will be perceived differently according to our approach. It's like if you are, you don't have a subway here in Alachua, right? <laughs> it's too much, but I'm sure all of you know what the subway is. So I can have it in my hand. That's, I think no, that's... Yeah. Yeah, there, there won't be more, more chance for... Yeah, it's... Yeah. If you're in a subway in the tunnel, you look upon a tunnel, and the first, if the subway is coming, but it's not right in front of you, what you will see is what? The Some light. Some light from the subway coming, but you just see the light. You don't see the how say the wagon, the train, and all the details of the of the subway. You just see the light. Then when the wagon, the the subway, sorry, becomes closer. You start to see the train. Some, but still you don't see the what's going on inside the train, the people and all the interactions that are happening there. That will be a key to Paramatma, so to say, in between. And then when the train stops in front of you, opens the door, you can enter. You can meet Jai Jagannath inside the train. You start to chat with him. But none of those things were available when you saw the light from the tunnel. But that was there. But just you were seeing that from a distance. You follow. I mean, the, the subway is always the same. But you are located closer in certain proximity or not. So the point is, absolute reality is the same. Subway is non-dual, so to say, <laughs> the, the absolute reality is one, but it will be perceived in three different ways, according to our approaches, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. And of course, each one of them will have its own unique experience. When we say Bhagavan, I mean, there are so many experiences that different devotees will have of Bhagavan. Bhagavan Narayan, Bhagavan Ram, Bhagavan Krishna, how many Bhagavan Krishnas are there? Braja Krishna, Maturesh Krishna, Dwarkis Krishna, Bhagavan, Gaur Hari, and so on and so forth. But the foundation is non-dual. Again, the foundation is the same. Sometimes the example of the absolute given is the jewel. You have a jewel and you will be able to perceive different rays and different colors emanating from the jewel according to how you approach it. Again, Krishna According to how you approach this jewel-like absolute, you will be able to perceive one phase or another or another. Bhagavan is the qualified expression of the absolute. Brahman is the unqualified expression of the same absolute, same non-dual substance. Mm -hmm. So the Bhagavatam almost starts. By describing that, you know, this is one of the very first sections of the Bhagavatam, Advai Gyan Tattva. That's what the Bhagavatam said. And interestingly, not only this is the only verse in the Bhagavatam where reality is described as non-dual, but at the very end of the Bhagavatam, if you go to chapter, last chapter of the last canto and almost the last verse, not the last, almost verse number 12, from chapter 13, from canto 12, Again, reality is described as Advitiyam Vastu, as non-dual substance. And interestingly, the Bhagavatam then say Tannishtam. Tannishtam in this context means 
the whole subject matter because it's one of the last verses. So the Bhagavatam is kind of, I'll say, wrapping up. So reflecting upon which what was shared throughout the treatise. So it says the whole subject matter of this Bhagavat is Advitya and Vastu, this non-dual reality. Hmm? Which again, I'm we are I'm not saying here the Bhagavatam is promoting Advaita Vedanta, I'm just making the point. The Bhagavatam is talking about non-dual reality. Hmm? I'm not sure you mean yeah, I'm, Give me a few minutes and I'm going, I'm going. Patience is the mother of all virtues, so you can do it, you can do it. We like circles. Rasa dance is circular dance, no problem with circles. <laughs> so my point is that the Bhagavatam is saying its main subject matter is non-dual reality. Just so we get a taste for the idea of non-duality and do, we, we are careful not to feel just repelled by that. Because sometimes we may have developed some samskars about the word non-dual counts and it's like, no, 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 that's impersonal. We are not non-dual. Yeah, we are non-dual, but in our own way. Mm -hmm. So the, if the whole Bhagavatam's main topic revolves around non-dual reality, and if the Godi revolves around the Bhagavat, as it does, our whole Bodhi Vaishnavism revolves around the stream of Bhagavatam. And if the Bhagavatam revolves around non-dual reality, then Bodhi Vaishnavism revolves around non-dual reality as well. So our goal is non-dual reality, but in a very particular way. We call it Achintya Veda Veda Tattva. So there I'm, I'm getting to the point, hopefully. Achintya Veda Veda Tattva is our official uh, Vedanta, so to say, our official system of philosophy, Srila Jiva Goswami calls, gives the name, basically coins the term Achintya Veda Veda Tattva, which means reality is non-dual, but there is at the same time, on the basis of that non-dualism, on the basis of that unity, there is diversity. There is diversity, but the diversity is, is coming on the foundation of non-duality. So that allows for the expression of Lila, for example. Lila with Bhagavan is, Lila, technically speaking, is non-dual play. It's not just play. Anyone can play in a dualistic way, but non-dual play. So on the foundation of non-duality, Abed, if you will, we have the Bed, the differentiation. One sustains the other. If we only have differentiation, diversity, that will be a problem. That will be conflict. We have that in this world. We have differences of opinion. We may be crashing with one another day after day. But if before getting to the difference, we agree that we are agree on one foundation principle, foundational principle, then the difference can be an ornament. That's the idea. Basically, differences are to create ornaments. Ornamentation and eternity, there are differences. There are differences of opinion, even as we say sometimes for the, during the night. Shoda will like that Krishna experiences sound sleep because for her, is, he's always tired, he, he always needs to sleep more, he's always hungry, he always needs to eat more. That's but Salya Bhav. So for her, her desire is I would like Krishna to have sound sleep the whole night. But for the Madhurya Rasamaya Gopis, they're having another project in mind. Huh? They pray that Krishna may not have sound sleep at night, but she may, he may have sound meeting with them, sound union with them. So there is a difference of opinion in the Lila for eternity. But it's okay. It's not a conflict. It's not that Golok Vrindavan is collapsing because of that. <laughs> Actually, both the Gopis and Yashoda love each other more and more and more and more. So there's place for that difference of opinion, even in eternity, because the foundation is completely non-dual, so to say. The Buddhist in Bakunta will think Narayan is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna is an avatar of Narayan. And Gaudiya Singhalograna will think the other way around. And it's not who is right, who is wrong. Because, because some of them live eternally in Bakunta. I mean, if you go to Vaikuntha now, to the spiritual world, in Vaikuntha, and you interview one of the Vaikuntha Vasis, <laughs> they will tell you, 
attrition and expansion of Narayan. And there, there is a place for that because if they will be absolutely wrong, how that will take place in the spiritual world, basically. Hmm. So that's an interesting point of view. And of course, you go to Golok, you have a different version. I mean, you don't have a different version in Golok. That's an interesting point. You go to Golok, who is God? Narayan. <laughs> you go to Vaikuntha, who is God? Narayan. <laughs> so there must be some truth to that. <laughs> can I continue unfolding one point and at the end we have QA and we can share? Yeah. So this perception of non-dual reality is all integrated, it's not a separate thing, basically. The ultimate reality is all for itself by itself. Ultimate allow, allows us to see everything perfectly in connection to Krishna, basically. That's the vision <clears throat> of the highest devotee. In the Bhagavatam, when it is a Sarva Bhutesuyatvashya, the, the vision of the Uttam Bhagavad is Krishna is in everything, everything is in Krishna. That's the vision of the Uttam Bhagavad according to the Bhagavad. <laughs> Like Krishna says in the Gita in the sixth chapter, for he, for one who sees me everything and sees everything in me, I'm never lost to him, he's never lost to me. No, that's that, that's non-duality in practice, so to say. You are seeing Krishna in everything and everything in Krishna. That's another way of of talking about how non-dual vision becomes actualized in, in one's eye. Krishna is everything, Krishna is in everything. That's Achintya Abhidavet. He has his own individual existence. Transcend, he has his own individual load. He's transcendent, but he's immanent at the same time. He's everywhere. But when he was with Hiranyakashipu, and Prahlad Sistadev is Krishna. And Prahlad Sistadev, even Narsimhadev is Krishna. And Pralaz with Hiranyakashipu is Hiranyakashipu is where is your God? And Pralaz will be like, where is he not? I'm seeing here everywhere. Even in that pillar, even in that pillar, said Pralaz. I'm seeing Krishna in the pillar. And it's not that Pralaz was in Maya body or something like everything is gathered. He was due to the force strength of his love. He was perceiving the presence of his Ishtadev everywhere. <laughs> so that's the vision of the highest devotee. We may not be on but at the same time, we need to relate to the vision of the highest devotees. Because sometimes I've been talking about the things, okay, Krishna is present everywhere. Someone say, well, but that's the vision of Uttam Bhagavad. We are not Uttam Bhagavad. We cannot imitate. I totally agree. We are not promoting Sahajism here. Let's, let's play Uttam Bhagavad. But at the same time, the vision it becomes like the yearning and the longing of the sadhaka, so to say. No. What they see becomes, we start to appreciate what they see in theory at least. And that starts to nourish hmm, our journey more and more, more and more. Hmm. <clears throat> so we go to Abhishnavas again, entertain this idea. The absolute is non-dual. The absolute is one. In Tatwa, the absolute is non-dual. In Rasa, there will be differences, of course. That's what uh, Venkata Bhatta said to Mahaprabhu in South India. When Mahaprabhu was, how do you say, chiding? No, that's not the expression in India. Chiding him? No. Like why Lakshmi left the Rasa, uh, left Narayan to want to join Krishna in Rasa Lila? And like implying my Krishna is higher than your Narayan, no? But in a very friendly mood, basically. No? And, and basically, Benkata Bhatta said, Narayan and Krishna won in Tattva. But in Rasa, they are different. So Rasa Vichar is one thing, Tattva Vichar is another thing. There are two levels of discernment, so to say. But at the end of the day, reality is one. Again, the ultimate reality is one. And I'm making this point because... If we don't have this idea of non-duality in place, we may start to perceive the absolute in dual terms. And that's a problem. 
we may start to invoke duality in how we relate to the different faces of the non-dual absolute. For a classic example, someone may think, okay, Paramatma is in every heart, Paramatma is in, in every atom, but Krishna is somewhere else over there about the clouds doing his lila. And internally we create a, a dichotomy. Krishna over there, Paramatma over here, like if they were two different people, so to say. <laughs> well, remember, Paramatma, Krishna, Bhagavan, Brahman, all of them are one same non-dual reality. So we have to be careful to over-localized God, so to say, in one way or another. No? His presence is here, is not there, or is in my altar, is in my temple, not in the other altar, not in the other temple. He's not in some place. Well, actually, he's always available in every moment at every place, technically speaking. He's non-dual. He has to be available, like Prahlad, so it's not that Prahlad only saw Krishna in the altar. Devatan say that's the vision of the Kanishta Bhagavan. God is in the altar. <laughs> but when you turn off the altar, you stop, you stop seeing him, basically. While the ideal experience of having Tarshan, of Srimurtis, I'm seeing Bhagavan in the altar, and if the experience is real, I will be able to carry that experience and extend it outside of the altar, or, or better put, to realize the altar is everywhere, gradually. The altar becomes universalized, and you see your instead like Prahlad. Prahlad didn't see Krishna only in the altar. He saw Krishna on a pillar. What you will say, what you won't tell Prahlad, but Prahlad, that's not the altar. No. Krishna's not in the pillar. Krishna's only in the altar. Prahlad's like, he's everywhere. In the altar, everything has become an altar. <clears throat> so our tradition is that. I mean, we worship Krishna, but he expresses itself in so many different ways. But all of them are the same person. Sometimes that's called polymorphic monotheism. Monotheism means one God. Polymorphic means many forms. So one same non-dual absolute expressing himself in many forms. This is what Akura said in the Bhagavatam when he was praying to Krishna. He referred to him as Bahu Murti Eka Murti Kama. Bahu Murti means many forms. Eka Murti Kama means one form. So you are one Supreme Lord expressing yourself in a multitude of forms. Be it a bit. Again, one different. We have to get accustomed to coexist with this one and different dynamics. It's not only one, it's not only different. <clears throat> so the ultimate reality expresses itself again in many forms, although it's one. Sometimes we will speak about the, I don't know, the three Vishnus or Krishna and Mathura and Dwarka in Braj, Panchatattva, five forms of the Absolute, Dasavatar, there you have ten. <laughs> so if we didn't have a proper non-dual conception, we have such a, a big pantheon of expressions of the divinity that if you do not keep the non-duality in place, you may start to become polytheistic. <clears throat> and there's a lot of poly polytheists in India also. Mm -hmm. Many gods. Of course, we are not proposing that. We are not saying God is two, is three, is four. God is one. The absolute reality is one and dual. But there is such a multitude of, of expressions of the divine that if we don't have this non-dual foundation in place, we may start to feel there are different personalities. Mm -hmm. To put it blunt, bluntly, if I say Narayan, Krishna, Narasimha, Mahaprabhu, they are not different people, so to say. <laughs> you follow? They are the same person expressing them from different places. It's a basic point, I, I think, but sometimes the, the point is how much do we internally feel that when we relate to Nishrimadev, when we pray to Mahaprabhu, when we go in the altar to the different forms of the same absolute, how much we keep in mind is one person, it's not the main gods that I'm worshipping. Mm -hmm. So in this connection, it's, it's important to conceive the idea Gaudiya Vedanta is a non-dual tradition. Because we have so many faces of the absolute that we can get 
a little bit distracted in polytheistic terms <laughs> if we don't keep the unit in mind. <clears throat> and of course, if we lose sight of the non-duality, the problem is that duality comes into the picture. And when duality comes into the picture, it's a problem, like the Bhagavatam itself says, Vayam Dvitiya Abhinivishatasya. So the Dvitiya comes into the no Advitiya, no Advaigyan, but Dvitiya, which means duality or dualism. And the Bhagavatam mentions if we become dualistic, we become full of fear. Bhagavatam says that Vayam or fear comes due to absorption, Abhinivish, absorption in dual thinking. And of course, eventually that creates, uh, makes us turn away from God and forget our constitutional relationship with him. This whole verse presents that problem that starts with being dualistic. So the solution to being dualistic is being, understanding reality is non-dual. We go, this are non-dual. But we can, ex we can be non-dual in principle, but sometimes we can express ourselves in pretty dualistic terms. So that's an important point also. As we were talking the other day, <clears throat> we are officially personalists. Our tradition is personalistic. But sometimes we may behave in pretty impersonal ways. <laughs> pretty depersonalized ways. Treat each other not as a person. Treat ourselves not as a person. Sometimes treat Krishna not as, a, not as the person that he is. <laughs> Remember, he's the supreme personality of God. He's not just a person. But the, if, if there is someone who is a person, that's Krishna to begin with. If someone, if there is someone who is personalized, individuated, <laughs> that's Krishna to begin with. But how much we, we address such a supreme personality as a supreme personality? Mm -hmm. So there can, my point is there can be impersonalism lurking in, in, in the midst of our personalism. So in the same way, we may be officially a non-dual tradition, but sometimes we may misrepresent a non-dual tradition in very dualistic terms. Not only in how we conceive God as different thing, but being dualistic. There are so many ways we can be dualistic through different behaviors like fundamentalism, fanaticism, uh, I don't know. Cognitive rigidity, narrow-mindedness, there are forms of dualism that do not actually represent what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is about. Let me share if, if, if a brief paragraph from, from my book in this connection, with your permission, that it says like this. <clears throat> it says, dualistic thinking means fragmented consciousness of unity. Maybe this is a good way to understand why any community may be fragmented at any point of its unfolding that happens. In our particular situation as Gaudias, the current fragmentation in our community may be at least partly caused by how fragmented many of us still are in our own dualistic approach to God himself, and by extension to everything else energies. We can have an hyper-personalized tradition and theological conception, but a totally depersonalized or even impersonal way of conceiving and relating to those very ideas and to one another. So, again, and this happens everywhere. I'm not here just pointing at the Gaudiya tradition. It's like, it happens in every community, in every tradition, in every group. In time, fragmentation may come, dualism may come, but it, it's not the fault of the Sampradaya in this case, it's not the fault of Mahaprabhu, it's just the dualism that we still keep in our own minds and hearts and that we need to hmm, encourage, yeah, not encourage, sorry, transcend in order to be properly encouraged in non dual terms. Hmm. So reality is non dual, but we will only. How to say, we will only understand that reality is non-dual if we behave ourselves through non-dual thinking. Mm. For example, the Srimad Bhagavatam, to say that the Bhagavatam was spoken in 
Samadhi Bhasha. You may have heard that expression. Vyasadev spoke the Bhagavad in Samadhi Bhasha. Bhasha means language, and Samadhi means Samadhi, in the language of divine trance, so to say. So if, if a book is spoken in the language of trance, probably you will fully understand it by yourself entering in trance. If a book is spoken in Samadhi, you will access that book in Samadhi fully. You may access partially according to your situation, but you will fully access that reality by entering the same Samadhi that the author had when composing it. So in the same way as the Bhagavatam is written in Samadhi and can be understood in Samadhi, reality is non-dual in nature, but we will only understand that if we approach reality from a non-dual perspective. If we remain dualistic, we won't be able to understand how reality is non-dual in nature. And we may even approach Bhagavan in dualistic terms. So I don't want to extend myself too much. I also want to leave a few minutes if there were any questions or comments, since I know that Artie will be in a few minutes. But I just want to share some words to talk in connection to non-dual Gaudiya Vedanta. So we can be we can remind each other of how our tradition is actually a non-dual tradition in its own way, not Advaita Vedanta, but Gaudiya Vedanta, Achintya Veda Vedanta, so to say. The foundation is non-duality. On the basis of that unity, authority will find its place. And that's what we refer to with the term also Sambandha. Sambandha means Bandha means link tied together and some means everything and the gyan is knowledge of how everything is interrelated and interconnected with the same non-dual foundation in the center that's an important i mean that's a wonderful idea just to meditate in for a minute that everything is absolutely interconnected with everything else everyone is inter we are all connected with everything else and there is a common center that we are to honor. So, anyway, some thoughts. Jay Jagan has some question or some comment. I'm not able to draw the bridge out of why a non-dual thinking is required to be a radical person. Um, I guess I just need a, just a little clarity how you define radical personalness and how does non-dual thinking Help that, or someone may think oh, I can be dualistic thinking, also be a radical person. So I'm just not trying to bridge that between those two. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why is non dual thinking required to be a radical person? Mm -hmm. Well, in brief, because you cannot have radical personalism without non dual and non dual foundation. Because again, radical personalism is another way of talking about Gaudiya Vaishnavism. I repeat it again. You can have Gaudiya Vaishnavism without a non-dual foundation. Because again, Gaudiya Vaishnavism is a particular approach to reality, and reality is ultimately non-dual. So non-duality needs is, is the foundation, and unless we acknowledge that non-dual foundation, we can have whatever comes on top of that foundation, so to say. So so to be a radically radical personalist, so to say. <clears throat> Implies, among other things, to acknowledge the non-dual nature of reality, to, to behave accordingly. Again, to be extremely personalist or radically personalist is to relate to everything and everyone, considering the underlying unity and connection that everything has with this same non-dual reality. So I will, for me, at least, that's one of the points. Well, like, to be a personalist, to treat each other in a personal way, <laughs> we have to realize all of us are connected to each other by constitution. So that has to do with me, this non-dual thinking. Non-dual also has to do, we all share the same non-dual foundation. So that makes us interconnected immediately. So that allows me to be completely personal to each one of you because we share a tie, so to say, a common bond Everything shares a common bond with 
the absolute non-dual reality in the center. I was, I was going to say in relation to that, um, I, I see how devotees we sometimes get so caught up in one particular thing or the other about regard to um, understanding of the Shastra or understanding of Christian consciousness or understanding of the philosophy. And then we kind of set in our ways and kind of project that to others or like kind of like see that reality as that person should be kind of that way as well. And then when they're not, it kind of becomes like an awkward kind of, because you're saying you have this whole like, understanding of like you mentioned like personal and being personal a lot of times because our, our philosophy is personal but a lot of times we, we can be very impersonal with each other and then another point i was going to make is like what if someone's reality is they're not even device they're not even devotee but we're like some prominent person in the Catholic Church that's doing very good preaching and we're making people come to, to, to God, to Jesus Christ, and we're doing, we feel like we're doing great service and we're bringing peace of people closer to God and you know, some people do miracles and this and that, but they're still, you know, eating meat and doing all these other things with intoxication. And, so is that is that person's reality like are they really getting close to God? Like they feel like they are, or is there just mm. you know some some uh, false identification? Mm. Well, kind of two two different points. Mm, yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing them. Uh, yeah, regarding your first point, I agree with your point that sometimes we <clears throat> and again, even if we are not doing that. We, may be able, we have the potential to fall into that, so we should be humbled by that, this idea of we kind of idealize how everything should be done, should be said, should be presented, and if someone doesn't fit into that box, that's wrong, that's non-bona fide, and, and we know that that's not how reality operates. I mean, there are so many ways of doing one, I mean, so many ways of being a devotee. It's not that, okay, this is how you can be. A of course, in the beginning, as, as we said the other day, someone may come to the temple day one and may ask, what does it mean to be a devotee? And you will receive the more like day one reply to that, so to say. No? Do this, 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 and you are a devotee. Okay, it's pretty simplistic. And, and, and everyone will receive the same answer, but in time, one's own personality and individuality will have to embrace bhakti and you have to become an individual in bhakti and you will have to realize that Krishna is an individual also. He wants to have an hyper-personalized relationship with me, which is completely different than the relation he's having with every devotee, every other devotee, and he will inspire every devotee in, in different ways and we have to accommodate that. Yeah. As long as that's genuine inspiration, of course I'm not saying here just let's justify anything, but we know there is place for Diversity, there's place for variety. And, and if, if that variety is popping up on the basis of something genuine, on the basis of some real connection, we have to celebrate that variety. That's to be glorified. That, that's that's the, the need that all of us have. You know? Here we are not pointing to someone in particular, just something that it's natural. So, but I, uh, but I appreciate your point on how sometimes we can commit that mistake, that feeling. Oh, they are doing the kirtan different than I do. They are doing the mangalachran different. They cook prasad differently. They give the class with different words that I am accustomed. And it's okay. You may have your, we may have our own taste and we may have our own preference, our main inspirations. And that's like, we have to honor that. But we have also to honor how Krishna may choose to touch the heart of other people and not only the Gaudiya tradition, and then I go to your second point, but also we can see people in other traditions which are in a very genuine way practicing, not even 
only Christianity, but it's even other Vaishnav Sampradayas, like I was giving the example of the devotees in Vaikuntha. <laughs> and they will be in, in eternity in the spiritual world having a difference of opinion with us <laughs> in, one, in one sense. In one sense. As, because also I mentioned, in one sense, there is no difference of opinion. And we have to honor that. If I found a Sri Vaishnava and he tells me, Krishna is an avatar of I mean, I won't fight with him. I won't try to convince him to prove him wrong. Because also Shastra is presented in some way that it lends itself to be read in that place. And there's place for that. I mean, Sri Vaishnava will read the Bhagavatam in a different way than we read the Bhagavatam. And, 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 and a follower of, of Abhita Vedanta will find verses in the Bhagavatam to support their, their doctrine. I mean, Shastra is Kalpataru. It's a well-wishing tree. No? So according to your wish, <laughs> somehow the message will also speak to that. There is place for that. So yeah, we should be we should be humble and, and, and not <laughs> I mean at the end of the day it all goes back to Trinada Pisunishinatarapisagishnamaninamanadenakirtaniyas. I mean I was the other day meeting with Radhanan Maharaj and he was sharing I mean we talked for four hours and probably of those four hours Two and a half were about Trinada Peace in Nichina. I was happy about that. Yeah. Just one last thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just on what you think. I was just about to say something about Trinada Peace in Nichina. Oh. Don't cut me at that point, please. A few words. Let me. A few words on this verse that is very beautiful. Just a few words. That again, if, if, if we skip this verse, I mean, we are totally sabotaging our spiritual, spiritual journey. I mean, this third verse of Shikshatin, at least for me, it's like, put everything else in context. I mean, and I always cocks me right-handed, so to say. <laughs> because you may think so many things, I'm getting to know this, I'm becoming advanced, I'm transcending that, I learned so many shlokas, I'm this or that. But go over and over again to this third verse and see where you are actually standing. That's that's like the the most sobering those advice that that our all sampradaya revolves around that's so so important so over and over again and, and we should never like underestimate all that that verse is speaking about that's why mahaprabhu and raguna das goswami requested him instruct me about the goal of life of course he ended up saying brajarada krishna manasa karibe you know? in your mind serves shirad and krishna braj that's a conclusion but to reach there, he basically mentioned this verse. And even before meeting, mentioning this verse, he said, Don't gossip. <laughs> that's interesting. It sounds very basic, but that's Mahaprabhu's instructing Raguna Das Goswami, actually us through Raguna Das Goswami. I mean, Raguna Das was not precisely a gossiper <laughs> at all. <laughs> But the first thing he told him is, do not, gossip, do not speak gossip, do not hear gossip. And that will take you to the third verse, and that will take you to Maseo and Braj, so to say, to put it in very, like, encapsulate or reply in that, those three sections. So I'm saying this because sometimes gossip is not just, oh, he did this, he did that, but also... Like entertaining our own minds, this type of things that you spoke about, like, oh, I don't like how they did that. That's not how I like. That's not according to my mood. That's different. And so maybe start to even from your mind, share it through your tongue and express your uh, disagreement with how someone did something different than how you will do it. But what? I mean, if I will do something different, it doesn't mean that it's better or it's worse, just different. So, and in connection to your second point, again, there's people in other traditions that we can learn from as well. I mean, our own, our own acharyas also. I mean, Rupa Goswami, his Bhaktura Sambhita Sindhu, he's referring to Balabhacharya's Pushti Mar. He's talking about Pushti, he's talking about Mariat. I mean, he's referring to other religions, technically speaking. <laughs> so it's not that... We are here only to speak about Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Jiva Goswami in the Sandaras, he's referring to Madhvacharya, he's referring to Ramanujacharya, he's even referring to Sankaracharya, and not only to refute him. <laughs> Sometimes he's referring to Sankaracharya to, to prove his point further. 
And all of these are very different paths, especially Sankaracharya. <laughs> but they are drawing something from that. So we have to remain open to learning from yeah, other traditions. And, and I wouldn't say like that people in other traditions is far from God, close to, I mean, that would be a very like generic abstraction to speak for the whole of Christianity, so to say, because every single person is unique. No? It's like saying all Bodhya Vaishnavas are going to the same place or doing it the same way or not. Everyone is a, an individual. If I will just about the whole group, that will be another form of impersonalism instead of addressing you know, the unique situation of, of each case. But at least personally, I've had very interesting exchanges and experiences with mystical Christianity and mystic Christians and practitioners who you can really feel. Of course, they are not pointing to Golok and it's okay, <laughs> but they have a very deep connection with the divine, very deep realizations, and, and there's no problem in being nourished by them, on the contrary. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, like, our acharyas, whenever we see, like, if you talk about, like, Gurudev, for example, or we talk about some disciple or Shula Prabhupada, when they're being interviewed, um, you know, the, the thing that they say most prominently is that, you know, he came to us with love and devotion, you know, he, he won us over by his affection, by his love, by all these different sweet. So I think a lot of times we miss that as devotees, like what what really the Acharya is um, winning us over. Mm -hmm. Like, cause, so how, in other words, how are we winning others over in that way or in which way are we, are we doing that? Like, are we doing that with love and affection or just with like, you know, some intention to like point or, or like what our ideas are, like how we perceive it to be. Yeah. Let me show you a few words from Takur Bhakti, not from his. This is from, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't have here then. Let me see. Just to give the reference. This is Takur Bhakti, not from Sri Chaitanya Sikshamrita, for shower. And this connection, very beautiful words. He says, if one goes to someone else's place of worship, one should think, oh, these people are worshiping my Lord, but in a different way. Because of my different training, I cannot quite comprehend this system of worship. However, through this experience, I can deepen my appreciation for my own system of worship. The Lord is only one, not two. I offer respect to the form I see here and pray to the Lord in this new form that he increases my love for love in his accustomed form. <laughs> Those who do not follow this procedure, but instead criticize other systems of worship and show hatred, violence, and envy are worthless and foolish. The, <laughs> the more they indulge in useless quarreling, the more they betray the very goal of their religion. Stakur Bhaktivinoda, it's not Swami Padmana. <laughs> so, so we belong to the Bhaktivinoda Paribar. We belong to the family of Bhaktivinoda. So this type of thing should be very deeply foundational. Evan, you have some comment or question? Yes. Um, I remember when I was in Thailand, I was in a little louder, sorry, I have the ACs nearby. I can't remember where I read this, but I remember seeing two Sanskrit words used to describe like different class relationships. One of them is fixated basically exclusively on their issue. They only hear topics and chant mantras where they consecrate their, their, their practice or only that issue. And then other um, sadhakas or might hear they have their issue but they are hearing about also all the forms of their life and that versus their attachment and devotion. So I don't really have a fully formed question about that, but um, it seems like sometimes we hear the charges speaking about um, like Prabhupada says in the uh, 65th <coughs> chapter of Gita report. 
piece of like what to exclusively fix their mind on Brahmananda Krishna, not not uh, not degrading their mind to any other form of Bhagavan, like Ram or um, but then you're kind of you're kind of giving a voice to this other side, and also the charities themselves are also giving. So maybe just so we understand like, the kind of uh, relationship between these two devotees. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Again, we should learn to include both considerations because naturally, of course, in our tradition, there is, of course, there is a, the, the idea of Anishtadeva, and we worship Bhagavan in a certain particular form, and we aspire to serve Him eternally in that particular form. It's not that okay. I will. I want to eternally go to Vaikuntha, Yodhya, Nityanadi, Bolok, Vrindavan, Dwarka, and Mathura, and have a five expanded form to serve them all. Generally, that's not the the case. So in that sense, there is some emphasis, try to focus on the istadev of the sampradaya you belong to, that that will be like a natural thing. But also that has to be done, again, in, in with maturity and with breadth and depth, in the sense not, not to dismiss all the other forms as inferior, so to say, or as wrong or as bad or in a sectarian way, but and to be able, as we talk today, to us to understand all these other forms are are my istadev also. No, are, in one sense, my istadev is Raja Krishna, but Raja Krishna is including all the other forms of the absolute. So I'm not to dismiss all these forms, but to show appreciation, as Bhakti Thakur was saying, while I'm having my particular attraction. I mean, if we are properly situated, even when that, that was for me the best part of the quote that when Tucker Bakunov said, okay, I'm, I'm witnessing how others worship their Lord and that nourishes my faith in my Lord because their Lord and my Lord are the same Lord. No? That's very nicely depicted in the Brihad Bhagavatamrita when Gopakumar is doing his journey and he at one point reaches Ayodhya and meets Hanuman. And of course, Gopakumar's Istadev is not Ram. But it's Madan Gopal, Krishna and Vrindavan in Sakyarasa. And Hanuman's Vista Devata is, of course, Dasanati Ram. But they meet each other, and it's not that they, okay, let's try to convince each other about who is better and I will defeat you in debate and so on. But Gopakumar says to Hanuman, please chant the glories of your Lord. And Hanuman starts to glorify Sri Ram. And Gopakumar is here in the praise of Sri Ram, and in his heart he says, Jai Madan Gopal. Because he understands we are talking about the same person, but how one glorifies my Lord creates, and then, and then the opposite. Hanuman tells Gopakumar, please chant the glories of your Prabhu. So Gopakumar starts to glorify Madan Gopal, and Hanuman says, Jai Sri Ram. <laughs> Because they understand we are talking about the same person, but from the perspective of our heart. So that's kind of the perfection of interreligious dialogue, so to say. Well, we know we are talking about the same beloved, but appreciating the different nuances, but that's nourishing my own inspiration in my own tradition. It's not that if I meet with a mystic Christian, I start to get confused and lose my faith in Gaudiya Vaishnava. That shouldn't happen. Of course, if I don't have the capacity of Dealing with that diversity, I may be a little bit more. There is place for more sectarianism in the beginning. Srila Prabhupada will give the example of like a fence. Uh, like the beginning of the journey, you are like, you have this little, how is it, like bot? That the budding stage of bhakti, you're very fragile, very easily disturbed, so to say. So you put a fence around the bot. <laughs> so the bot, the bot is not seeing anything outside the fence. Reality is what happens inside the box, inside the fence. But due to that, that fence is protecting you and giving you strength to grow. And naturally, at one point, you will grow above the fence. But when you reach that point, you will be rooted enough not to be extremely disturbed by what the, the winds or whatever influences make out outside of the fence. So again, there, depending on each case or the journey of each devotee, there may be place for being more sectarian in the beginning, so to say, eventually learning to accommodate diversity and 
And eventually, many devotees at the end of their journey may also, also become more and more focused and exclusively in the Rista day. But again, there is no universal rule that it begins like this, follows like this, concludes like this for everyone exactly the same. For each one of us, there is a very unique journey. So, so each one of us have to find our place in that as well. Okay. Yes. Igual creo que entiendo la idea, creo que se entiende, pero si hay algo que te sientes expresar lo mejor en español, yo lo traduzco al inglés como sea, no hay problema. Ah, ok. So, so yeah, of course, all these how questions, no, like how to do that, how to, are, are not easy, it's not easy to reply to them, like, okay, this is the magical formula, and in five minutes you're like, this is the this is magical formula. Are <laughs> starting? Yeah? Yeah. So we'll start our thing now. So we continue talking during lunch and we can continue sharing. Thank you so much. Just sit out of the key, the board, the key, the board, the key, the board, the key, 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 the key